Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Welcome everyone to this podcast as we look at Galatians chapter 5, and I greet you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, in the name of Jesus the Christ. Today we're going to be looking into this fifth chapter, which is a continual thought from the first four chapters. He's building upon precept upon precept. The same thought is running through this whole letter. It is, what is the true gospel? And what is the gospel of the Jewish people to the Gentiles? It's not bringing them back into bondage under the law. It is seeing that the law was a tutor that brought us to the Messiah, who is the promised one of God, the promised one of Israel. Also, how the promises of Israel are fulfilled to the nations. And so now we're going to continue that thought process as we look into chapter 5. So I'm going to ask Yoni if you will read the first 12 verses as we look into this chapter. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Let's go through this, uh, these 11, 12 verses here and see the thoughts, the statements in which Paul is bringing. And again, it's a continuation of everything he's been saying. In verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. The law brought us to the freedom that is in Christ. Now, you're going to see that this freedom is not interpreted how the world interprets it Mm. all through the Pauline letters you see that this freedom in this chapter is going to be to live according to the fruit of the Spirit and not the deeds of the flesh. Mm. So it was for freedom that the Messiah set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Again, contextually, some may get upset with me by saying this, but this is what the text is saying. This is what the context The slavery here is going back under the law for your salvation and for your identity. We have been set free from that, and now that freedom is going to live inside of us through the power of God's Spirit to live for God, which the law could could have never done. 
And that's where you need to read Romans 6, 7, and 8, where he brings it out so clearly to the church at Rome. Let's look at verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. This is receiving circumcision in the context that they're not saved and it's not completed unless they receive circumcision. We have to keep it in its historical context. It's not saying to someone that chooses to circumcise their child or to keep the law of Moses on the eighth day to circumcise their child according to the traditions or the teachings of the law. This is talking about these Jewish believers in Jesus that have gone into Galatia and have said, you're not saved, it's not complete, it's not finished unless you receive the circumcision of the flesh. So we must keep it in that historical context. So in that context, if you receive circumcision, Christ would be of no benefit to you. Christ is not the end, it's not finished They will not stand complete in Christ. They will stand complete in what? Circumcision. So it's a different gospel. So he's warning them not to go back into slavery, but the Messiah set you free from the slavery and the bondage of the law, and now you have true freedom to live for God. If you receive circumcision, the Messiah will be of no benefit of you. Verse 3. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. This is something that I have said to many individuals that want to come into congregations, whether in a Jewish background or a Gentile background, that if you want to come and bring the rabbinical law, which is not the law of Moses, our listeners need to understand that the rabbinical law, the oral law, actually adds and subtracts to the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. But if you want to keep the rabbinical law, if you want to keep the Mosaic law, if that is so important to you, then keep the whole law. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep the sacrificial laws. You need to keep the judicial laws, the dietary laws, the Shabbat laws. You need to go back and read it from its context, from the Mosaic understanding of it, not just from the rabbinical understanding, And you need to keep it because if your identity is going to be through the law, don't pick and choose. And most people that teach this, they pick and choose. They will talk about the Sabbath laws and the dietary laws. But they forget about all the rest of the laws. Let me give you an example. Under the law, if your son or daughter speak evil of you, then you are to take them outside of the camp, outside of the city, then you must stone them. So don't pick and choose what aspects of the law that you want to keep. You keep the whole law because if you break one aspect of the law, say you break the dietary laws, but you keep the Sabbath laws, then you are a transgressor of the whole law. Mm-hmm. And so this is a constant reminder that Paul is making to believers Your identity is in Christ. You have been set free from the bondage of the law that is not unholy. It is unholy, but now it's fulfilled in the Messiah, and now it's a life in the Spirit. And I think it's incredibly applicable. I can think of my mind one very clearly, but there's tons of denominations that ascribe this, and individuals in general. um, I remember meeting an individual one time years ago who uh, was a Seventh-day Adventist, and there's a lot of great Seventh-day Adventists, and, and there's, there's a lot of thoughts there. You know, it's a, it's a broad range of things. 
But, uh, but this individual held the thought that if you did not worship on the seventh day and you knew you should, then you are not part of the family of God. Yes, and that is their actual teaching. Mm-hmm. Now, I've met Seventh-day Adventists that actually don't believe that, but they're mm-hmm. part of an organization that teaches that you're not saved unless you keep the Sabbath. Therefore, it's not a true gospel. Yeah, It's very similar to the Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. The Church of Christ believe if you're not baptized into the Church of Christ, talking about them, their denomination, they are the Church of Christ, you're not saved. That's a different gospel. Mm-hmm. So there are many groups that hold to this, mm-hmm. that get wrapped into this. Heresies, wrong teachings get repackaged all the time, mm-hmm. and they come in different shapes and in different forms. So we are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus the Messiah. He is our salvation, and we stand complete in Him. He is our identity. Mm-hmm. And any other thing outside of that becomes a different gospel. I'm so glad that you brought that up because look at the next verse. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Mm. Now, there's a lot of systematic theology out there that will teach that once you have come to God and put your faith in Christ, you can never be cut off, you can never fall from grace. The problem with that is that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. Old covenant or new covenant. The passages where it says that no one can remove us from his hand. Mm -hmm. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's talking about outside forces that have more power than the grace of God or the power of the Messiah. There is not anything in all of creation that is greater than the power of God's grace in my life through faith in Christ. That is not talking about a covenant relationship with God where we die daily to ourselves and that we have the freedom to live for God and we also have the freedom to walk away from God's grace. That's what a covenant relationship is. It's an agreement between God and the individual, from God with the nation of Israel, God with Abraham, God with Isaac, God with Jacob, God with the children of Israel. God God, with you and me. God with us today. Yes, it's a covenant relationship. And all through the scriptures, we see that they have wandered away from the faith. Here we see in verse 4, you have been severed from Christ. That means you were with Christ, but you have been cut off. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Now, a Calvinist will say, now what does that actually mean? I say, it it tells you what it means. You have fallen from the grace of God. Now, they will use all kinds of speech from systematic theology to try to explain that this doesn't mean that you're fallen from grace but it means you are falling from grace. That's all that I want to say. Yes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a funny uh, uh, saying, but it's the, 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 the Greek for you have fallen from grace uh, is appropriately translated, you have fallen from grace. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up because people will even use word studies to bring about systematic theology. And I want to remind our listeners, as you went through that hermeneutics, words are defined by the way that they're used in context. This is all about believers 
in Galatia that have come to God through faith in Christ that are now being tempted to go away from their faith in Christ and to have their salvation under the law. Here, Paul is very clear, you have fallen from grace. Some people can come in and just try to change that. Well, if it was in the Greek or if it was in the Hebrew, if you understood their original meaning of the word. Words are defined by the way that they're used in a context. Any word can be redefined at any time within the context. And what Paul is saying, contextually, you have fallen from grace. Verse 5, for we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Mm -hmm. This is very important that we're going to see in Paul's writings, but when you get into John's writings as well, it really comes alive. Faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Mm. This is a principle here that he is using for the sin. This is sin. This is a different gospel that is coming in to these believers' theology. And I I think it seems very applicable to what we've been discussing about, and we hate to call it specific denominations, but they're highlighting truths, I think, that... That, that are representative of a lot of people, but even something so small as, oh, well, it's just, they have to be baptized in our church. Um, but but this is even, it's making it really clear, a little leaven, even something what we might consider small or whatever, leavens the whole lump. Yes, and we can disagree about a lot of things in the mm-hmm. Bible, you know, minor things. But when it comes to the major things about what is the gospel, we cannot be in disagreement mm-hmm. because a little leaven... If I start teaching to anyone that you are saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ, but you have to be part of my organization to be saved, that is a different gospel. And a little leaven leavens the whole dough. Mm -hmm. So if you allow this to come in through one individual, we're going to see one individual here, or some individuals, or if you allow it to be in one of your classes that you teach, Mm You know, we're living in a day of compromise within the church, especially in teaching. It's very funny when I hear people say they teach that doctrine is not important. The word doctrine means teaching. So they have taught that teaching is not important. But the only time that doctrine is used in a negative context is when there is false doctrine, false teaching. So all through the Bible is giving us sound teaching. And so people who say that are contradicting themselves, and they're contradicting the whole Bible. Now, you and I might disagree on some things, maybe about the end times, or about this issue or that issue, but we better not disagree about the gospel. And a little bit of leaven leavens the whole dough. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view. See, his confidence is not coming in them by themselves, but in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you, this leaven, will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I preach circumcision, 
Why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. This is how important it is. You see, if Paul wanted to be an individual of compromise and get along with anyone, even the unbelieving Jews, but especially the Jewish believers in Jesus back in Jerusalem, he would just go along with it. He would say, okay, they came to Christ, they received the Spirit, and the Jewish believers in Jerusalem say it's important to them that now we circumcise them according to the flesh. Paul understands this would bring a different gospel, but if he wanted to please the individuals back in Jerusalem, he would go along with it. Let me say one thing that's a little bit off the subject, but it does tie into this subject. We want to be non-confrontational in the culture in which we live, and we want to be tactful. The problem is that is not scriptural. And I deal with groups all the time that I go into those groups, and the person leading the group will say, now don't say this and don't say that and don't bring about a controversy. And I always respond to them, I will be careful, but I'm going to teach and preach God's word. God's word reproves, rebukes, and exhorts. Mm. You want me to only exhort in the way that you want it to come across, but I'm going to teach the word of God. If you're not happy with it, you might need to get somebody else. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to come in there intentionally trying to bring about a controversy, but I'm just going to teach the word of God. The word of God breaks down and it builds up. And so sometimes we get persecuted for that. Paul is being persecuted by Jewish believers in Jesus who are trying to change the gospel. Mm -hmm. Also, in a broader context, this message that we preach might have had greater acceptance among the non-believing Jews in Jerusalem if he circumcised them. Then they would say, well, we don't believe in Jesus the Messiah, but they're taking circumcision of the flesh, and hey, we can teach them the law. And so he's not willing to do that. And he actually says in verse 12, he says, I wish that those who are troubling you would even cut themselves off or mutilate themselves. This is strong language that he is using for these Jewish believers. It seems to me like it really ties into what we just read in Galatians 4. It says, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. And, and it, in our non-confrontational culture of this day, it, it seems to, to, to make a clear dividing line that this is not something you should allow at all. Yes, do not allow it. Do not compromise. Do not allow it to come into the body of Christ. Do not allow it to be one little section of your community of faith. We are not under law. We are under grace. The law has released us to faith in Christ, who is the fulfillment of the law. My identity is through him. I stand complete in him. Mm -hmm. So if you allow anyone to come in, even if it's just a small segment, and you're right, we're living in a time that compromise is a good word. Mm -hmm. When I grew up, compromise was an evil word. Mm -hmm. But now it's a good word, whether it's politically, spiritually. It talks about people not wanting to be confrontational, but we can get along with everyone. And it's really coming out of a pantheistic-type culture. But here, the gospel is confrontational. And we cannot allow it within the body of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. 
It's not coming into our congregation. Our identity is through Christ, not through the law. He is the fulfillment of the righteous requirements of the law. He is the end goal of the law. So why do I want to go back and put myself under the guardianship, the bondage, and the slavery under a tutor when I have been released to the Messiah? So thank you, Yoni, for bringing that up. Now let's continue in verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Remember verse 1 of this chapter, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The whole issue is the freedom, but what is the freedom? It's very important at this point that you continue to study. It is not a freedom to live any way that we want to, but it is a freedom to live by God's Spirit that indwells us, the fruit of the Spirit. This is where you need to read Romans 6, 7, and 8. In those chapters, you see it is the freedom that we have to live for God, to live for righteousness that the law could never give us, and it's the freedom to live a life in the Spirit. So this freedom is not a freedom to live any way that we want to, but a freedom to live for God. And do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. The flesh here contextually is talking about living in sin. But through love serve one another. This is verse 13. So this faith that we have is a freedom that the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. And this love for God is summed up in this statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now remember, he's writing to believers that already understand the first part of that statement of loving God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength. That's the first part of this understanding of the law. The whole law can be summarized with love, loving God and loving your neighbor. Now here, Paul understands that they already love God because he's writing to believers. But what is important of their faith? Faith working through love. The love of God has been placed in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. That's Romans chapter 5. So Paul understands that these believers love God and their faith is working through love. And the love of God's been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit And this love must live and rule and reign within our hearts. And if we love each other, we will serve one another. So understand that the whole law is summarized with love. These men have come in and brought dissension, factions. They've troubled, bewitched the Gentile believers. But their faith should be working through love. And if the love of God was in their hearts, then they would be serving one another. But anytime people come in and start bringing a different gospel, it's going to start developing factions within the body, and there's going to be quarrels and fighting, and there's going to be division within the body. And this is what happened to the Galatians. And this is what happens sometimes today when we don't have the true gospel. So Paul is saying, let the love of God live within your hearts. And if the love of God is there, that is the fulfillment of the law. And then you're going to be serving each other. 
and ministering to each other and taking the true gospel, which is the fulfillment of the law, and ministering one to another. This is so important to the whole aspect of what Paul is saying. Any thoughts about that, Yoni? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, this this biting and devouring one another stands in very clear contrast with his statement of saying the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in the context of a law, it's very easy if you've, if you've built up this law for yourself, Christ and this or whatever it is, um, I think it's very easy to say, well, we also need to do this. And, and now we also need to do this. And, and now, like you said, there's these factions, there's divisions, there's not clarity into, what, into it just being Christ. And you end up having this this uh, this church culture that ends up seemingly from this statement um, is, is it's very likely to consume itself. Yes, and where does it end? Because you'll have some that will say we must keep the Sabbath laws, we must keep the dietary laws, not the sacrificial laws, not the judicial laws, on and on, and there will be disagreement across the board with these things. But if we stand complete in Christ through faith, then it's love that is in our hearts, and our, our focus is to serve God and to serve others. And again, he's already assuming that they love God because these are believers. They have come to God by the love of God in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So now, what is important? Love, the love of God in your hearts and serving one another. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you're not going to be involved in all these controversies and factions and dividing each other uh, Mm -hmm. through the law but we stand complete in Christ. Now, we have come to the end of this segment of this podcast, and we're going to continue at verse 13 and continue to flow through the next part of this chapter, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And it's going to be so powerful what Paul says to the Galatians in the next section. So please continue with this thought process within God's Word. Have a great day. Shalom. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.